If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Genesis 1, just to, uh, to make sure what I'm saying is, is in your Bibles too. And last week we saw how uh, the creation account, uh, which we read in the Bible, is so different to any other. It's different to the lies that the world uh, peddles today. In Genesis 1, uh, we read what is confirmed when we look all around us. That God has created a world that is good, that is ordered, and that is beautiful. But you will remember that we paused the account in verse 25. And we stopped just before the creation of man. And we uh, spoke last week about the whole of creation singing the Father's song. Uh, we read from Psalm 19, didn't we? They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Uh, God uses creation to show glimpses of himself. Uh, But God especially revealed himself through humanity. God could have made us as angels or spirits if he'd wanted to. Uh, He could have uh, made us a, a spiritual realm to float around in. But he didn't. He created us with physical and material bodies, with a material universe to live in. He formed Adam from the dust of the earth and Eve from the side of Adam. And he made them uh, from physical matter. And clearly God cares about physical existence and wants us to care about it too. So we come to this key phrase. We are made in his image. And you may have heard that phrase and not given it much thought to to what it actually means. Uh, Herman Bavink, a a Dutch theologian. I've got a bit of a Dutch theme today uh, with Corrie ten Boom as well. Uh, But this is what he said. uh, The entire world is a revelation of God, a mirror of his attributes and perfections. Every creature in its own way embodies a divine thought. But among creatures, only man is the image of God. God's highest and richest self-revelation and consequently the head and crown of the whole creation. He is saying that God reveals himself in all things, uh, but he has made humanity uh, to be the biggest clue to what he is like. But the world doesn't think in this same way. Uh, For the last uh, 300 years or so, Uh, Give or take, in the Western world, there's been a a steady move away from religion, away from faith, towards humanism and science and and reason. Uh, There is the view that only science can bring us the answers that we need. Uh, Christianity and science coexist, of course. Uh, The two are not mutually exclusive, as some people claim. But it, it does us great damage when we pit the two against each other. But a purely scientific, materialistic worldview uh, blinds us to the reality that God sets forth in his word. Uh, Without God, without his purpose for our lives, the reality is bleak. Can you put a price on human life? Uh, Someone has worked out that if you were to sell the raw materials of your body, the oxygen, and uh, the hydrogen, the nitrogen, the carbon, the the calcium, the phosphorus, and everything else that your body is made of, uh, we'd sell for a grand total of £125. That's not much, is it? 
could buy about five Freddos with that in today's money. Um, if you wanted to make a bit more money and you sell all your organs on the black market, I'm sure there's somewhere you can do that around here. Um, if, you, if you sold all your organs, you'd maybe fetch 425 grand. Um, not that you'd be around to enjoy the profits, um, but your family would, I'm sure. Um, so science tells us a lot about life, doesn't it? But it cannot tell us everything. It cannot tell us what a human is worth. Uh, we know that humans aren't commodities. We're not like cars that can be sold for parts. Uh, it, but if we aren't people created by God, as the Bible says, uh, what are we? What is our worth? What is our purpose? Uh, this is uh, one description that I found of what a human is. It's not in the Bible. This is what someone else said. Uh, humans are a species of mammal, also known as Homo sapiens. They are a group of ground-dwelling, tailless primate, primates uh, that are distributed worldwide and are characterized by bipedalism, and walking on two feet, and the capacity for speech and language. Humans, like other primates, have opposable thumbs, omnivorous diet, five fingers with fingernails, and color vision. Is that how you see your loved ones? Uh, our children, our, our parents, our grandparents, our friends, our neighbors, are all they are to us, ground-dwelling, uh, tailless primates. Are we not so much more than this? You see, uh, we are different uh, from everything else that we share this planet with. We have complex emotions. We care for one another and we make each other laugh. Uh, we can paint and create music. We use moral, moral concepts to, to judge our actions. Uh, we use logic and we use evidence uh, to evaluate arguments. We understand maths and history and philosophy and science. Uh, we explore the universe and we explore uh, inside our own bodies. We understand how our bodies work. Um, but even more than this, uh, we know the people that we share this planet with are of value. Uh, when the uh, war in Ukraine started, or when we consider the, the conflict going on in Gaza, or when a, a natural disaster uh, like an earthquake or a flood hits, uh, the reason why it affects us, the reason why it breaks our hearts, is because we know the immense value of human life. On paper, people may say that we are just animals, but I don't think people do actually see the world in this way. I would bet that most people that you would stop on the high street would argue that there is something distinctly different about humans, that there is an inner sense of worth and dignity which each human has, which suggests that we are not just a collection of atoms. We are not just highly evolved primates. In primary schools and in uh, children's TV shows and films, we are taught, aren't we, that every single one of us is special. If you click anything on Disney+, Plus, that is what they will tell you. Everyone is special. But as we progress through life, uh, we see that certain people aren't treated that same way. Uh, there are certain people who are seen as a hindrance, who are seen as a problem. Those with disabilities or illnesses or with financial issues. A certain race or those who are unborn, those who are frail, people that think or look a certain way or can't con uh, contribute to society. Uh, whatever reason it might be, some people are certainly not regarded as special in our society. 
And this is what happens because we are looking outside the Bible for the answers to why people are special. Uh, People evaluate someone's worth on what they offer to society, or even more selfishly, what they can get from that person. But the reason why each and every person is special and is unique and is valued is not because of their achievements or their credentials or how they look, but because of whose image they bear. That is why the Bible's view of humanity is needed. Uh, Caring about matters such as uh, racial and gender equality, uh, the care for the unborn, the vulnerable, is only truly possible and even logical if we are truly made in God's image, created by God and for God. Look with me at at verse 7 of chapter 2. This is what it says. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. No other living creature has this special capacity, has God's very spirit breathed into them. We know that this isn't just the oxygen into the lungs of humanity that we are describing here. Uh, In the book of Job we read, But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. And in Proverbs, we we read these words. uh, The spirit or the breath of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. So this spirit breathed into humanity is a God-given conscience, allowing us to decipher what is right and what is wrong. So it's vital that we recognize that the author here is stressing that humanity has been given a capacity that other animals have not been given uh, for relationship and communication with God. You see the amount of, of speech that happens in this between man and God in this chapter. In the first chapter of Genesis, um, Moses is highlighting God's power. And uh, to see that emphasis, we saw that last week uh, by stressing the fact that God uses his words to create. But what we didn't look at last week, and what we'll look at now, is the title that is used for God throughout chapter 1. And that is, in our English Bibles, God, God, God. It's something like 25 times in this chapter. And uh, that Hebrew word is Elohim. That's the the word for God himself. But look at the change in chapter 2. When we are talking about God in chapter 2, yes, we are aware of God's power in creation, but the author is now wanting to emphasize the special covenantal relationship between mankind and God. And therefore, the title we begin to see used again and again and again in chapter 2 is Yahweh. Lord God, 12 times that, that word is used, the Lord God. You see, mankind was made for relationship with God. Mankind was made for God. And you see, if we subscribe to a purely uh, Darwinian survival of the fittest mentality that we will soon be left behind uh, when we are of no use to others, then we are in a scary position. 
because uh, we're not always going to be in the prime of our lives, are we? But each and every human being is special because God has made us to be like him. Did you notice what God does in verse 28 of chapter 1? And God blessed them. God blesses man and woman. He doesn't bless any other part of his creation. No, Adam and Eve are an elevated aspect of God's creation. On Monday, it was uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, And uh, Martin Luther King, uh, his whole life was a fight to be recognized as truly human, to receive equal rights. And his entire ethos uh, would have been useless had it not been for the Bible. His entire ethos was grounded in biblical reasoning. This is what he said in one speech. Every human being has etched in his personality the indelible stamp of the creator. Every man must be respected because of God. God in his care created man and woman. And that should inform the way that we treat our brothers and sisters. And Nathaniel read from Psalm 8 last week, which speaks of man's special place in creation. This is what it says. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honour. You see, the same God who created the constellations and who made the angels had a special plan for the sixth day of creation. He made people to be especially like him. So does God uh, creating man and woman in his image mean that Adam and Eve were sinless uh, like God? Is that what it means to be in God's image, to be completely sinless like him? So does that mean that We lost the image of God when Adam and Eve rebelled, as we'll look at in a few weeks' time. Uh, This cannot be the case. If you uh, flick forward in your Bibles to Genesis 9, hundreds of years after Adam and Eve have fallen, uh, God commands Noah that murder must carry a death penalty. This is what he says. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So uh, it is not just Adam and Eve who have the image of God. But even us, born in sinful nature, carry on God's image. And I think we can summarize what it means to be made in the image of God in three words. Uh, I'm sure you can do it in more, but three is helpful, isn't it, for tonight. Um, So... The first of these is is capability. Um, uh, The first of these that sets us apart is capability. Men and women were created on the same day as the land animals, uh, so we could be uh, led to believe that we are not all that different. But people, because they are stamped with the creator God's imprint, have a capability far beyond living things. Uh, We are social, caring Uh, We are able to think and reason to be creative and we have a capacity to love, altruistically even. And man and woman uh, not only relate horizontally to each other, but also vertically 
to God. God addresses us in speech and gives us commands as we read here. Animals do not have a capacity to believe in God, uh, to pray, to worship. Um, I've preached to a, to a number of dogs before, but they are not able uh, to partake in worship, are they? Uh, they were not uh, designed, as much as we may love our pets, they're not designed in order to, to think uh, in that way. Uh, if you see a seagull go to the seaside, uh, it doesn't sit on the, the rooftop of a bandstand at the beach thinking, uh, why is the world the way it is? Uh, why am I here? It cannot think existentially in that way. The only thought running through its mind is, how can I steal that person's chips without being killed? Uh, that's all that's thinking of. An animal doesn't have a conscience or uh, a complex sense of right and wrong. It doesn't feel guilt or remorse for the actions that they do. Uh, the seagull feels no guilt for stealing the chip. Or an even more grave example, uh, a tiger killing a villager in India. It doesn't feel sad once it's done it. It is instinctive and is done in order to protect or to survive. But a human in God's image does not only do things in order to survive. A human uh, does not do things in order to, to live again tomorrow, in order to eat, uh, to sleep and to pass on their DNA they are acutely aware that there is more to life than this. We are able to act with mercy and with kindness in the same way as our Creator does. Human beings, not only Christians, uh, do things which cost, which cost us and, and hurt us for the good of others. So we have a capability beyond anything else that God created. So that's the first thing. Uh, secondly, we have a responsibility. Now that's the second thing that sets us apart. Uh, look at verse 28 of chapter 1 again with me. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and of the birds of the heavens, and, of every, and over every living thing that move on the earth. Now Adam and Eve, and every man and woman since, have responsibility uh, before God, uh, both in uh, what they do and how they do it. Uh, you can uh, find lists. Uh, you may have seen lists like this. Uh, they list the most intelligent animals. Uh, chimpanzees and dolphins and, and crows apparently are particularly clever. Octopuses. Uh, they're considered the smartest animals in the world. They can work out sequences and they can use tools. Uh, but the threshold for being impressed with an animal is very low. Even the most uh, remarkable feat of animal intelligence uh, was, uh, I think it was a chimpanzee who learned uh, 350 words in sign language. And we think, wow, isn't that amazing? Uh, did you know a 10-year-old, uh, anyone who's 10, Boaz, you're about, how old are you, Boaz? Nine. Well, a 10-year-old in a year's time, you will have a vocabulary of around 20,000 words. Isn't that amazing? So you're not even at the peak of your powers yet, and that is what uh, you already know. So the capacity of a human is, is incredible, but that comes with responsibility. We're not only different to animals because we're smart. Animals are not given special responsibility and dominion by God. None of these animals were seen as a companion that could help Adam. We'll see that uh, in two weeks' time. 
It is uh, humans who are to care for the world. Uh, They are to be stewards of the earth. It is good for us as Christians to care for the world that God has made. Uh, Concern uh, for the planet's health is not a new thing. It's not a thing uh, for people uh, that are young, for people uh, that... uh, uh, that have got social media. It's not for, for people who are, are woke. Uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote an immensely challenging book called Pollution and the Death of Man 33 years before Greta Thunberg had been born and uh, far before, uh, long before uh, Just Stop Oil and were throwing orange paint at things. Uh, this is what he wrote. He wrote a biblical worldview of why the Christian worldview is the only worldview which we can truly care about the planet. Uh, this is what he said. Uh, the man who believes things are there only by chance cannot give things a real intrinsic value. But for a Christian, there is an intrinsic value. The value of a thing is not in itself autonomously but because God has made it it deserves this respect as something which was created by God as man himself has been created by God Uh, for everyone else things just serve a purpose but for us yes they serve a wonderful purpose Uh, they give us an opportunity to give God all the glory If there is no God and there is no eternity and life is about the here and now, there is no real reason for us to care about the future of the planet. We should eat and drink and be merry. But as Christians, we know God gave instructions for Adam and Eve to have dominion and to care for the land. And in the same way God creates and tends and develops and cares, his people are to do the same. Isn't that an amazing responsibility that we've got? And God has got moral expectations for them too. In all that we do, we reflect who God is. We show others who God is by our actions. We see that in the final verse that we read in verses 16 and 17. God gives a command. We're expected to be obedient. And God created us not because he was lonely, but to show what he was like. And we can think of it in this way. Uh, I don't remember who came up with this, with this uh, illustration, but it's very helpful. Uh, they say, in the ancient world, uh, when uh, one uh, nation conquered another, uh, the victors would sometimes put up a statue of their king in the defeated land to remind the people who their ruler was and who was in control. And what we are as people are like little statues of God. And in the same way as the statues of the king aren't actually the king, uh, people aren't gods themselves, but they are little representations of him, showing everyone else who is in charge. And God has created hundreds, I don't know what the exact figure is, but billions of people that have lived across all time. And he's created that many statues of in order for us to see him. And that's why God takes sins like murder so seriously, uh, because uh, God uh, doesn't want us defacing the image of God when we hurt others. And it's also why God is so clear that we must not create statues or images of him. He's already given us the clue as to what he is like 
through creating humanity. He doesn't need carved or painted images. And when we see uh, verses 15 and 16 and 17, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. If you look at verse 15 in particular, the two words that are used uh, for what Adam and Eve are to be responsible for are are work it and keep it. And they are the words that are used throughout the first five books of the Bible for serving the Lord. So yes, it's it's referring to, to physically tending this wonderful garden that God had put them in, but there's deeper implications of serving God with obedience. It's the same word that's used uh, for, the, uh, for the priests in the temple. Their lives were to be a, a spiritual uh, relationship with God. So those are the first two things. Uh, thirdly, and finally tonight, um, we have been made uh, for eternity. As much as we, we love our pets, uh, when they die or they go to a, a special farm, as we sometimes say, they, uh, they stay in the ground. Uh, even this week I was chatting to someone Uh, from this church who said they've made someone cry through uh, revealing this truth to them. Um, But an animal doesn't have to give an account uh, for how they have lived, do they? Uh, When your budgie dies, uh, or or, uh, whatever it might be, I don't want to bring too many truths close to home, Um, they don't have to give an account for the way that they have lived. But a human being, every single one of us here tonight, has been made in the image of God. And so there are eternal consequences for everything that we do. And every person who is here tonight, every person who has ever lived, has two things. Uh, We have bodies and we have souls. When we talk about heaven, uh, we're not going to be merely floating souls. We'll have awesome, renewed bodies too. And we all know that deep down, that there is more to life than what we see in front of us. Um, Hear this from the book of Ecclesiastes. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Uh, The writer here is saying that God has given each and every person an inner sense that there is something bigger in this world. Because uh, we will live forever, we know that every person will be judged. And that can be a terrifying thought, can't it, when we think of all the things that we've done. Every time we have lied and hit out and gossiped and stolen and lost our tempers and looked lustfully at someone who we weren't married to or worshipped something other than God. But this is the amazing news of the Bible. Although we did not completely lose the image of God when Adam and Eve fell, our relationship with God, as we'll see in a few weeks' time, uh, the relationship with our Creator was broken because of it. And to fix this relationship and to pay the price for our sins, God sent his son into the world. And it was not as an angel or as a spirit or as an animal that God did this. It was as a human being. As it says in Colossians, the son is the image of the invisible God. So when Jesus came into the world, it was not only to to fix our relationship with, with God, but also to restore God's image in us by the grace of Christ and through the power of the Spirit we are born again 
to a God-honouring life, restored in this image of righteousness and holiness. In 2 Corinthians, we read that by God's grace, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The end goal, when we die, or when Christ returns, uh, will be a, a perfection, will be a glorification. Uh, the gradual process of, of being perfected uh, will end because there will be nothing more to perfect. We will be made like Christ. We will be glorified. You see, as people, we bear the image of Christ. We bear the image of God. But Christ himself is the perfect and complete image of God. And the best way we can bear God's image to and to our friends and to our neighbours and to our families is by being like Jesus. This is what a uh, preacher called Anthony Hukema said. Since Christ was totally without sin, in Christ we see the image of God in its perfection. As a skillful teacher uses visual aids to help his or her pupils understand what is being taught, so the Father God has given us in Jesus Christ a visual example of what the image of God is. There is no better way of seeing the image of God than to look at Jesus. What we see and hear in Christ is what God intended for man. What must therefore be at the centre of the image of God is not characteristics like the ability to reason or the ability to make decisions, but rather that which was central in the life of Christ, love for God and love for man. If it is true that Christ perfectly images God, then the heart of the image of God must be love, for no man ever loved as Christ loved. So as we finish, uh, that is why we have made this point our last and final point. Let us remember that each of us has been made in the image of God. So yes, we can celebrate our ability to reason, uh, our ability to think, our ability uh, to explore. But the greatest desire that God has is that we live lives like the Lord Jesus. And that is only possible through obedience to him and to uh, be saved through the blood of Jesus at the cross. Uh, this is what we read in Micah. This is what God wants from us. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So let us uh, do that to one another and to the community around us. To remember that each person is not just a person that we come into contact with, but is someone who has been made in the image of God. And to live like this is is difficult because people are difficult and uh, it's only possible if our hearts are transformed if our sins are forgiven and the holy spirit begins a work in our hearts to conform us to the image of the son so may this next week be a week where we bear the image of god in all that we do let our words our thoughts and our actions put christ on display to all that we spend time with